0: You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So Trevor Noah shares with social media and puts it out there that Jesus fed 5,000 hungry people. But today the 5,000 hungry are busy feeding the prophets. And I thought, what kind of a message is that? But when it comes to money, it's always a sensitive issue in the church. But the gospel is not about money, it's about salvation. Although many people are preaching about money every Sunday. I can guarantee you, in heaven, I don't think there's any need for any money or to preach on any money. But in the church today, we have chartered deacons, Chartered prophets. Chartered pastors. And it's all about money. We have a need for money. But the gospel is not about money. If your focus is only on money, you're going to miss a very large portion of life. Ask yourself where you find yourself right now as a Christian. If you had option A, you could have breakthrough in every area of your life. In your health. In your business, in your finances, in your career, with your family. I mean, name it. Healing, deliverance. All of those things that you could have, all of them right now. Option A. Or option B. God's presence. Which one would you tick? Option A. Give me my breakthrough. Give me my healing. Give me my deliverance. Give me my wife. Give me my husband. Give me my child. Give me my promotion. Give me my contract. Would it be option A or option B, God's presence? David said, He said, seek my face. My heart said, Lord, your face I will seek. And when it comes to true spiritual riches, this is what we'll be confronted with every time. Whether you like it or not, you have a need for money. Jesus in Matthew 6 says, I know you have a need for money. To be clothed. Because you're thinking about what you should wear, what you're going to eat, How are you going to pay for the kids' studies? How are you going to pay your rent? He says, the people in the world think about these things every day. I know you have a need for these things. But I want you to first seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things will be added. But today we preach a message of the add-ons. And we say, if you have this, you must be busy seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It's not true. It's the same with baptism. If you are born again and you believe, be baptized. Now we think because we've just baptized you, you believe. Why do you think people baptize babies? Because they say, okay, he's got salvation. But you must first be in a position to believe. Babies cannot believe. Some of you need to get baptized. You first believe, then you get baptized. I'm reading from Matthew 6, verse 31, the Passion Translation. So listen, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from Him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. But deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Family, listen to me. As a citizen or as somebody here on earth, you hold two passports. Passport of life and a passport of death. You make a decision whether you choose life or death. The one might look right, but the end leads to death. And we need to know the truth as the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nobody here that has no need for money. We all have bills to pay. It's the truth. You cannot buy food without money. God knows that. He says, but don't worry about it. I'm aware of every one of these things. Keep your focus upon God. Forsake your ways of worrying about the things that people, are not even believers, are worrying about. You're now a believer. You're now in the kingdom of God. You're his child. I'm going to show you now from the New Testament two places that will show you. Your focus should be on Jesus and not on money. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. I told you there's a lot of churches, but we have to be a church with a difference. The mistake that we make today, the authenticity of Christian leadership, Christian businessmen, There's a question mark behind it. Because we look at the world, we see what they do and what they call leadership. Then we paint a fish over it and we say it's Christian leadership. Christian leadership, discipleship is completely different. You there, the greatest becomes the least because he serves more. He becomes a slave. In the world, the guy at the top tells everybody what to do. In the world, it looks like this. In the church, authentic Christian leadership looks like this. Jesus became a servant to all of us. He didn't come to rule over us. He's king of the universe. But his heart's attitude was to serve. I sometimes hear stories about guys saying, as a pastor, if you walk on this side and a member sees you, and you're on the same side of the road, then you have to go to that side of the road. Because you don't come close to... If you're a shepherd in your heart, you're going to smell like the sheep, or you're not a shepherd. You cannot be so far distant between the sheep that you don't even smell like the sheep. The sheep must be able to get close to you that you can smell like the sheep. If you want all of that gone, then it means there's no sheep. Then you're not a shepherd. Then don't call yourself a pastor. If you're a pastor, there should be sheep. Amen? So listen to this. Acts chapter 3, Passion Translation. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. This man's focus was upon money to bring a solution to him. The hard-so-thing about this is that his family every day took him to the gate beautiful. Gate beautiful is a type of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. He's the beauty of heaven. Gate beautiful is a type of Jesus. So his family every day would bring him to get beautiful, Jesus. They say, you've come now to Jesus, but look for the money. Many of us today are coming close to Jesus, but our focus is upon the money. And because you are looking at the money, you are still sitting there paralyzed. You've never gotten up and run for God the way that you are supposed. Because you're looking at the money. And while he's looking at the money, it's only a temporary solution that's coming to him. Jesus walked past this man how many times? And never did anything. Peter and John, when they walked past him and they saw this man, they said to him, silver and gold we do not have. But what we have in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. They were saying to him, listen your brother forsake your ways of keeping your focus upon money and get your focus on Jesus. When they said to him, get up and walk, he didn't get up because he had no hope. He was still thinking money. We thank God for men of God, even when they say get up and walk, that grab us And lift us up and say walk. Amen? Amen. And he got up and he started walking. He was looking for a temporary solution. Peter said, I'm going to offer you a permanent solution. Now that you are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, you've been empowered. I mean you are starting to prosper in your spiritual life. These blessings will overflow now into other areas of your life as well. He says, forsake your way of pursuing money and start pursuing Jesus. Look at Jesus. You know, the truth is, he's at gate beautiful, but he cannot enter into the temple because he's lame. The solution, the answer is to get into God's presence, but he cannot get in. He's leaning against gate beautiful, using Jesus as a crutch, but focusing upon money. Money is a temporary solution. We can see from this, Peter had something to give. He had something to give. Have you discovered what is that something that you can give? Because you cannot give that which you don't have. But Peter came and he brought hope to this man. And now he was leaping, now he was running for God. But before that he could never do that. Many Christians today, have they focused more on money than anything else? I'm here, Jesus, to serve you so that you can bless me. Focusing upon the add-ons. while well, Jesus said, I know you need all these things, but first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The promise that was made to Abraham was not money, was not houses, was not cars. The promise that was made to Abraham was the Holy Spirit. Because when you are born again and you have the Holy Spirit, it brings new life in every area of your life. Then, even if you are going through a challenge, you know God is with you. Then, even if you repeat and you have not caught any fish, no contract came in, nothing came in, you know God is supporting your position. Even when He didn't, His nets were empty, that disappointment was an appointment with God. When you know that, even in disappointment, even in failure, there's success. Because because of that, God took him from where he was to where God wanted him to be. From a normal fisherman to a fisher of men. Then you know, even in failure, there's success. Because God is in control of your life. That miracle placed him in a position now to start to prosper in every area of his life. Whereas he was looking at silver and gold, he could get a few coins to solve his problem only for a mere season or a few days then they had to take him back there again turn with me in your bibles to mark 10 verse 17 i'm going to read from the passion translation as well but you'll see through the bible god often says make a decision who will be your god will i be your god or will money be your god even paul when he writes about being a good disciple he says, I'm a Pharisee. I've kept the law. All of them. He says, but that number 10, thou shalt not covet. said, that was a stumbling block. Because all of us have things in our hearts that we covet the whole time. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And we've trained our hearts to covet. I mean, you just drive to, to Joburg, and there's so many billboards. The new this, and the new that, and the new that, and the new that. Listen here what he says. Mark 10 verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man came running up to him, kneeling down in front of him, he cried out, Good teacher, what one thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? Is that not like we are today? What's the one thing that I must do? I don't want to do a hundred things. What's the one thing I must do? Amen? <laughs> People are still the same today. Good teacher, what is the one thing I am required to do to gain eternal life? Jesus responded, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. You already know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give a false testimony. Do not cheat and honor your father and your mother. The man said to Jesus, teacher, I have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. Jesus was setting him up to show him what's really going on in his heart. He's mentioning four to nine. All the things that he's been doing. He says, all these things that you say I should do, I'm doing it. I'm not stealing. I'm not committing adultery. He says, well done. Then the young man had a conviction. What do I still need to do? Teacher, I have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love and said to him, Yet, there is still one thing in you lacking. Go sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then all of your treasures will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. Completely shocked by Jesus' answer. He turned and walked away very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus looked at the faces of his disciples, because they were also shocked, and said, how hard it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. The disciples were startled when they heard this, but Jesus again said to them, children, it is next to impossible for those who trust in their riches to find their way into God's kingdom realm it is easier to stuff a rope through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter into God's kingdom realm but this left them all the more astonished and they whispered to one another then who could ever be saved jesus looked at them and replied with people it is impossible but not with god god makes all things possible i believe this is where peter got the message that he preached to the man at the gate beautiful. There was a rich young man that obeyed everything in between. But when it came to putting God first, God was not first, money was first. He was not asking him to really go sell everything. He was saying to him, put your trust in God and God alone and not in your money. That's what he was saying to him. When Jesus said to His disciples, it's so difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God, they said, then who can be saved? Why? Because they were now experiencing the blessing of God in their own lives. That's what they said. Who can be saved? Are we going to get saved? (laughs) He said it's more difficult. That translation is actually not right. It's a good way of describing it to put a rope through the eye of the needle. But if you go look at the Jewish customs or where this writing comes from, the eye of the needle was a place in the wall where the camels used to go through. So the camel had to take off everything, all its rich treasures that it was carrying, the gold and the silver and the cinnamon and the silk. And the, they had to take that off the cam- camel. Then the camel had to go on its knees and then it would move through the eye of the needle, an uh, area in the wall. So he's saying it's easier for a camel To take off its riches, its wealth that it's carrying, become nothing, bow the knee, and go through the the wall, the way. He's saying because a rich man's trust is in his money, and he wants to hold it the whole time. And he who has the money wants to make the rules. Not prepared to bow the knee because his trust is in his money. That's what he is saying. He's saying it's so difficult for somebody whose trust is in money to put their trust in God. Decide who you will serve, mammon or God? Money or God? Where is your focus? And Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's saying, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. He says, so I can see. The heart of man. That even though he's blessed and he's got a lot of wealth, I can see what's going on in his heart. Is money on the throne or am I on the throne? We know about Job. Job was an extremely wealthy man. He was the richest man in the East. But he said, whenever somebody came to me, my eyes became their eyes. If they needed a bed, I provided a bed. If they needed food, I would give them food. Whatever they need, I would meet that need. He was blessed to be a blessing. It was not all about himself. Jesus was simply saying to this man, forsake your way of following and running after money and follow me. Jesus is still saying to people today, follow me. It's not about money. God knows that you have a need for money. And God wants to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. But when that blessing come, will your trust be in God or in the money? Our trust should be in God the whole time. Luke 18 verse 13. Jesus was simply just saying to this man, Forsake your way of putting your trust in money and follow me. Do things my way. Luke 16 verse 13, it's impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You will be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion. It is no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastically love one and definitely reject the other. God wants you to be blessed. But He wants your focus to be on Him. To love Him more than anything. The Bible teaches us that the deceitfulness of riches chokes the Word of God out of our hearts. That our trust is not in God anymore, but in money. It's a challenge. If your focus is on money, you're going to miss out on the true spiritual blessings that God has got for you. Remember, We had a great prophet, Elijah. Then we had Elisha, who did double the amount of miracles than what his master did. Then Elisha had a servant, Gehazi, who was working with him so that he could take over from his master and do double what he had done. But he never did any of that. Why? Because of money. Remember when Naaman came to be prayed for by the man of God. He wanted to give the man of God money. And Elisha said, no, I don't want it. Remember first before that he didn't even come out to see him. He just say, go tell him to go wash himself in the Jordan. Seven times. He says, Is he, does he know why I'm Naaman? Isn't he supposed to come out and wave his hand over me? And say some special words for me to get healed? Now he's sending me to a dirty river to be healed. And by the grace of God, his servants spoke into his life and he did it. And when he came back, he wanted to reward him. He wanted to give something. When it's your time for healing, it's not your time for giving. Amen. Maybe I should send something to, to Trevor Noah to say, today's prophets take money before the healing. Nothing to laugh about. It's very serious. Because now you're selling that which you got for free. When he came, he said no. The Bible says even though he persisted and pushed the man of God to take something, he said no. I'm not going to receive anything now. What I've given, I've received freely. I'm not receiving anything now. Go. But then Gehazi, who grew up in the church, knows the church ways, how to take advantage. Went and he ran after him, he said, "Ah, oh, the man of God had a change of heart. Do you know why he didn't rec- why the man of God didn't receive anything from him? Because when you are desperate, there's not a thing you will not give. And he did not want to take advantage of him. That's why he said, no, I'm not going to take advantage of this man because there's not a thing that he would not give. But then Gahasi went and he took advantage. And he received that. And when he came to the man of God, the man of God says, I know what you've done. Do you think my spirit was not with you? I know you've, you took money from him. You were not supposed to do it. It's not our time. Go read it. He says, it's, is it our time to receive oil? or anything, or money, or food, or anything, says, no, it's not our time. So because you've done this, the leprosy that was on him will now come on you. That which was intended to be a blessing became a curse. Naaman would have blessed the kingdom of God, but it was not his time. Let him go, enjoy his healing, feel in his heart what he's supposed to give, then you can be a happy giver. But don't take advantage of people when they are desperate. God sees it and God is aware of it. You may not do it. It's unscriptural, unbiblical to take money before you pray for people. I have had people come here and then they repent to me because it's just the 50 rand that they have in their hands. Sorry, man of God, I know it's supposed to be 100 or 200 rand. I said, who told you that? The church that I came from, they were not going to pray for me because it's a 50 rand. It's an abomination. It is sin. It is wicked. You cannot take advantage of people when they are desperate. That which you've received freely, give it freely. Then after God has blessed you, you can be a blessing. Amen? There are three types of people that come to church. One of those Christians... That are born again and they come to maintain their blessing, to maintain their salvation. Those that come to obtain salvation, and then many Christians come to church for selfish reasons, for material gain. Jesus, I'm here to give you something so that you can make me a millionaire. The Bible says in the last days, go you can go read it. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. Well, let me read a few Passion Translation. But you need to be aware that in the final days the culture of society will sink so low into degradation that it will be extremely difficult for the people of God. People will be self-centered. It's just about me. Lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. Obsessed with money. There's really some people that can only preach about money. The gospel is more than money. It's about salvation. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. Money answers everything. The Bible says that in Ecclesiastes. But it's not the answer to everything. If money was the answer to everything, you would not be here. Because you know your own situation is beyond money. If money could have solved your problem, you would not be here. You know you need God intervention. And when it's God intervention, you don't have to pay money. It's for free. Because you still think you have to pay for these things. You don't have to pay for it. It is for free. Turn with me to 1 Timothy 6 verse 9. The message here, family. If you are born again, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit you are blessed already. That blessing will start to affect every area of your life. Sometimes some things in your life first need to get dealt with. Amen? Amen? If you are truly born again and you are seeking after holiness and purity and goodness, can you pray a prayer like, Lord, cleanse me before you bless me. No, 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 no. Jesus, I'm just here. Just bless me. Many people substitute their prayers because of their disobedience. They're not obedient, but they want to pray a lot. No, give me this, claim it, frame it, everything. No. God is not mocked. What a man sows is what he will reap. The gospel is about salvation. It's about holiness. That thread, that golden thread of salvation should run through all our messages. That's real church. Real church is about salvation. You being able to finish strong and end up in heaven. And in the process that God starts to bless you and you start to prosper, you'll experience more persecution what the Bible says. Because now that you are blessed, they won't say, it's the blessing of the Lord that's making you rich. They'll say, okay, he's hanging out with the same people. Maybe he's doing the same business that they are doing then you have to protect your heart. Amen? Amen. That's why the disciples said, who can be saved? And God said, with you it's impossible, with me it's possible. I'm going to bless you and make sure that you make it to heaven. But don't put your trust in the money. Here's some advice. 1 Timothy 6 verse 9. But those who crave the wealth of this world slip into spiritual snares. Think about Gehazi. They became trapped by the troubles that come through their foolish and harmful desires, driven by greed and drowning in their own sinful pleasures. And they take others down with them into their corruption and eventual destruction. Loving money is the first step towards all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith and have turned from Christ. And they will live to regret it. Craving more money pushes them away from their faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. Timothy, are you God's man? So run from all these errors. If you're a man of God, run away from these things. Don't run to it. Instead, chase after true holiness, justice, faithfulness, love, hope, and tender humility. There is a battle raging, so fight with faith for the winner's prize. Lay your hands upon eternal life, for this is your calling. Celebrating in faith before the multitudes of witnesses. Our calling is not money. Our calling is eternal life. Our calling is a lasting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17 says, To all the rich of this world, I command you not to be wrapped." in thoughts of pride over your prosperity or rely on your wealth for your riches are unreliable and nothing compared to the living God. Trust instead in the one who has lavished upon us all good things, fulfilling our every need. Remind the wealthy to be rich in good works of extravagant generosity so that they can experience true enrichment by means of their giving. This will provide a beautiful foundation for their lives And secure for them a great future as they lay their hands upon the meaning of true life. Jesus is simply saying, put me first. Don't run after money. If you're only running after money, there's a large portion of life that you're going to miss out on. Put your trust in God. God wants to bless you. God wants to do something unusual, super abundant, more than what you can think, what you can imagine, what you could dream, what you could pray. He wants to bless you in that way. But when you are blessed in that way, don't put your trust in that money. Put your trust in God. The silver and the gold belongs to God. It is His. He gives opportunity and chance to everybody. Amen? So God wants to bless you. God can put you at the right time, at the right place. But don't let that blessing that comes into your life take you away from God. Let that be the very thing that draws you closer to God. To hold on to God even more. Your breakthrough, your healing, the big contract, the the deliverance, whatever you are seeking is not the end. It's a means to an end. The end is a lasting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to sit on the throne of your heart and not allow anything else to influence it. The problem that we have today is still the same. Not giving Jesus the rightful place in our hearts. Jesus is after your heart, not even after your money. He wants to rule in your life. And once He rules in your life, that blessing will overflow to every area of your life. Keep your focus upon Jesus. In the book of Revelation, it says, I urge you, I plead with you to purchase gold refined in the fire. That which comes from heaven, not your focus on earthly gold. He says, then you will be clothed, then you will be clean. When you go on, verse 20 says, I stand at the door and I knock. Whoever opens up, I will come in and dine with him. We use that scripture for people to get saved. But he's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers saying, I'm knocking at your heart's door. Won't you please open your heart's door again for me to come in? Because you've been shutting me out. You are blessed, but you've been shutting me out. If you go and look at the book of Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, he says, it is God who gives you the power, the ability to obtain wealth. Why? To establish his covenant with you. It's about relationship for God. He wants to be the lover of your soul and he wants you to love him with all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, every part of your being. See Sela. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.